Welcome to Ancestral Kitchen, the podcast that shares ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. I'm Alison. Today I'll be sharing how I lost half my body weight. That's 140 pounds or 65 kilograms and kept it off. First through determination and then through ancestral foods. You'll hear about my early years of obesity, how I finally, after many years, lost the weight, the fear that I face when I reintroduce fat into my diet, and how eating ancestrally has meant I don't have to worry about my weight anymore. We hope this episode leaves you inspired, more knowledgeable, and more supported to engage with your own body, mind, and food more fully. So let's go. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Allison, good afternoon. Hi, good morning, Andrea. Good morning. It's so funny. So you and I have just been talking as we start recording, and I feel like like I was in the middle of laughing, and then we started, so I had to like <laughs> pause my laugh. So, <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast, and a big thank you to our patrons who are um, fans and supporters of the podcast and sponsoring it for all of us so we can all listen so Allison we have a new patron can you share about her for a minute yeah we do we have a new patron called Carolyn who um, came on board this month and she's been sending me messages letting me know how much she likes the podcast and I think she sent something to you as well Andrea did you talk to her yeah no I loved it so much I was like I want to read that on the podcast so she said (laughs) that Um, She said, I love that the podcast is not just about healthy food, but really imparts a beautiful intention for simple, slow living and also how Mm. it's fun and inspiring in the kitchen, which is nice, basically our vision statement for the podcast. So I really appreciated that she said that. Yeah, that comes through. That's really nice to know, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she's getting access to our extras that go up on our Patreon feed, which include a, a a more intimate podcast that we um, record <laughs> about once a month and then lots of extra goodies. We've got some videos up there. We've got interviews with other people. We've got documents up there. Lots of um, goodies yeah. for everyone. I feel like it's getting better and better as we're getting the hang of all of this and starting to figure out what our, you know, capabilities are and um, what <laughs> what kind of a workload we can give Rob. And apparently... yeah more and more is fine so we just keep giving them more and more (laughs) (laughs) it's a learning curve for us this has been the last year this journey and just as hopefully we're helping to inspire learning curves for everyone who's listening that that's um, so if anyone's um if you're a patron of the podcast and then then jump over and listen to the kitchen table chats that's what Allison and I call them where we just kind of I don't know talk about what's going on in our kitchens and in our homes and fields and regions food wise and um those I love those so much because those are just the oh there we go Jacob brought a chick down I guess some did did one hatch or any more than one 
Oh, you got some chicks that happened. happened. All right. Yeah. Yesterday was 21 days in the incubator, so we were expecting um, some to hatch. So I can hear it cheeping. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, we're so excited about this guy. Oh, the other one's still working. Yeah, this guy probably, I think he hatched in the middle of the night. I heard him making a bunch of noise. (laughs) So fun. Uh, So, so have, you, have this... you had breakfast yet? Yeah, that's what oh, I want to know. Yeah. Have you had breakfast yeah, yet? Yeah, I was gonna. I was, I was gonna ask. Um, no, actually, yes. So I had a slice of sourdough. Um, Katie, mm. the friend of mine who is um, homing our cow since she has mm. lots of field and we don't. We have lots of forest, mm. not so much in the way of grass, and so we keep the cow at her house, and it's mm-hmm. perfect because. Katie and I want to see each other and our kids want to see each other. And it we're both homeschool families and it gives us a good chance. You know, we've got friends who live close by there and it gives us all a chance to sort of centralize and just let everybody play and milk the cow and get the milk. And Perfect. The cows bring you together. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, she gave me a sourdough bread recipe and I'm mm. kind of obsessed with it now. I wow. think the total time I spent hands on the recipe, it, I mean, I'm going to time it this time, but it has to be less than 15 minutes. Total That's good. Hands on time. Yeah. Maybe five minutes mixing it and then five minutes, an hour later, turning it. And then the next mm-hmm. day, five minutes shaping it. And that was literally it. <laughs> Gosh. And what so, grain are you um, using? Are you using your iron corn for it? Um, you can use, you could use iron corn for this one. I, mm-hmm. I just tried it immediately trying the recipe I just I always start mimicking the way it comes and then I adapt from there so I did um we have like an unbleached all-purpose flour and bread Mm -hmm. flour two separate so I used those I'll put it in the um show notes if you're listening to the podcast and you're all like me you're in the kitchen right now (laughs) and you're probably elbow deep in dishes or something um, I don't know, but you're a pig. <laughs> so, so I try to do a really good job putting everything in the show notes for you guys so you don't have to stop and write it down. So I'll put her recipe in the show notes for you. But anyways, got a piece Wonderful. of that, a couple of our eggs, some orange juice. I put some collagen in it to, I'm mm-hmm. really trying to get more protein in my day and adding collagen here and there helps. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I got. That's and lovely. did you, I know you ate lunch. I'm not good with missing meals. Yeah, I had um, something new, actually. Um, a listener oh. of the podcast who lives in Kansas called Kirsten sent me a recipe for a marinated um, beef tongue, um, which she called pickled beef tongue. And so That's I so picked sweet. up a tongue from Flavio on Saturday and then made up a brine for it with salt and sugar and a mix of spices that... Um, that I had around that I wanted to use and left it for that in there for 12 mm. hours. Um, it was a big tongue, 1.6 kilos. Wow. And then I put it in the slow cooker on Sunday morning and I cooked it for seven hours for lunch. And Ooh, it was delicious, so really delicious. And then what happens is when you get it out of the slow cooker, it's really um, soft and kind of falls apart. But then once you cool it and put it in the fridge, it goes hard so you can slice it like a a luncheon meat or that kind of thing. So I had some slices of the tongue with some millet that we cooked in stock 
and then along with that I had a few bits of kale that were left over from yesterday and mm. some grated raw carrot salad and um yeah it was delicious and I went I'd been out for a walk just prior to it so I was kind of all you know filled with sunlight and the joys of spring and I enjoyed yeah. my beef tongue for lunch yeah really I've good. got a tongue in the freezer beef tongue so um ah. I should pull it out and make it this week and try that because it sounds yeah, really I can good send you the recipe <laughs> It's really, Plus yeah, it's I, lovely. You know, I want to try the sourdough with different flowers. So can I, you can have your um, sourdough bread with the tongue in between it because you can cut it like a, you know, a sandwich. Does, be lovely. When you cook it, do you get like a, I'm thinking like, like a sop almost. Like if it's marinated, do you cook it with all those juices and then have something like you could kind of dip your bread in? Yeah. So after I've cooked it in the slow cooker, I've got basically a lot of stock. And so I yeah. strained that and put it in the fridge. And then I had that for breakfast, actually, with an egg in it. Perfect. That's a it. good way to get, speaking of collagen, good way to get a, mm. a lot of collagens, some good broth. So, yeah, useful all as right. well. Not only do I get the tongue, I get all that broth as well. This, this conversation, Alison. <laughs> mm, indeed. So we, we've talked about this from when the, in the beginning when you and I first met, but I've never really got to hear your full detailed story so this is highly anticipated by me and probably others thank you it felt quite strange kind of thinking back and going through it Mm -hmm. um in my head to prepare but um it feel I think it will feel good to share with people what we're going to talk about today is my um weight loss uh anyone who's been following the podcast for a little while or following me in any other place where I put things um, may know that I was overweight as a child and by the time I got to my teenage years I was obese um, to the point where when I was 20 um, I weighed at least 20 stone which is 280 pounds about 125-130 kilos. I say at least because my scales at my house only went round that far and when I stood on them, they were manual wow. scales, that the dial went all the way around the circle. And so it could have gone a lot further, but I was too scared to find out if it went any further. Mm-hmm. Um, and so clothes-wise, um, I'm tall. I'm almost six foot. Um, but I took a trouser size in the UK of 28, which I looked up this morning as a 24 in the US. So that's the size trousers oh I was goodness. taking at the time, age 20. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of break down this journey and share it with the listeners. And I wanted to start by saying that I think that everyone has very individual reasons for carrying what they think is too much, in quotes, weight. And Mm. so what I'm going to share over the next kind of hour will be details of my journey. And the details won't be the same as anyone else's journey. But there are universals, I believe, in it. I know from talking to people there are and I believe that hearing someone else's story can can help bring us awareness and bring more depth to our own journey which is why I'm sharing it um today on the podcast the other thing I wanted to say before I start is it always helps to have pictures I think that helps to um reach another part of our brain 
So what I did this morning was I put some pictures up on my website of me at various stages in my life. And if people want to have a visual of me at um, stages that I'm going to talk about during the, this afternoon in the podcast, they can go to my site, which is www.ancestralkitchen.com and then forward slash Alison, A-L-I-S-O-N, in pictures without any gaps or hyphens, just forward slash Alison in pictures. And there I think I put five pictures up of me, which, um, which will give people a visual um, to go with the story that I'm going to share. I'm actually today. looking at them right now. And uh, it's strange because um, like it's hard to recognize you because I've only known mm. you as you are now. Mm. But I remember it was you and I are just starting to get to know each other on Instagram early on and you said something about oh yeah I actually um I had a pretty major you know transformational journey and I didn't believe it I was like yeah okay you so you lost 10 pounds it's great you've always been skinny you know like sure must be nice Allison you know and mm. you sent me some pictures and I was just like shook because um you've changed so much and um think sometimes I maybe others can make the assumption oh if they're you know slender and, and beautiful yeah. they've, they've just always been like that you know so lucky um it could because it's like the martyr perspective you know if, if I struggle then it's um you know you know that their life was easier yeah. than mine for some reason yeah right and that these pictures just totally bust that I'm guilty of that sometimes myself, you know, mm. because we just see the outside of people, especially virtually in the virtual world. And True. but I know that 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 from my own experience that that's not the case. You know, not only did I look like I looked in those pictures, but I had all of the other stuff that go with it. You know, my my yeah. face was very my skin on my face was very bad, and mm. and you know it's easy for people who have only known me in the second half of my life to think I've always had good skin. And, and yet I fought with bad skin all throughout, you know, my up until kind of mid 20s. And I, I was on antibiotics for acne. And Whoa. that's the same as, you know, um, the weight things um, that, yeah, I haven't always been skinny. In fact, yeah, I was completely the opposite. <laughs> right, so, yeah, right. between um, between the ages of 20 and 21, I lost 10 stone, which um, in language transatlantic language is 140 pounds 65 kilos which at the time was half my body weight wow um and i wanted to <clears throat> kind of split it into the different um stages in that weight loss okay um, and the first the first section is really to talk about what life was like for me as a child yeah that, um, that's what i want to know and, and i think a lot of us mm. want to know because again when you see somebody who eats the way you eat or whatever then we think yeah they probably always did this <laughs> mm. and mm. i just want to know like what was it like and um also you mentioned skin but maybe if you could add also some more like what were other th symptoms that let mm. you know something was wrong all right I'm yeah ready to listen okay um so my the family that I grew up with, my my family, um, basically had what we would probably now call a standard American diet, in that the food came from the supermarket, 
and um, it was cooked in vegetable oil um, that was reused after being used once. And it was, my mum cooked the food, but it was the bog standard stuff from the supermarket and attention wasn't paid to fats um, at all and to any form of the, the type of food that I make now. Um, bread was from the supermarket in a packet. The eggs were just bog standard eggs that you get from chickens that I don't even want to think about how they live. Um, and then cakes and treats were part of our life. And what seemed quite important, what I notice these days, is that cakes and treats were built up to be a big thing. It was always, oh, here's the cake. And and that kind mm-hmm. of, I think, set a mentality in my head that um, sugary things were something that one could treat oneself with. And I... I've kind of done a 180 in many aspects from the family that I grew up in. And I think that's really because I was um, a square peg in a round hole. I didn't really fit in the um, environment that I was growing up in, in that I, I, I was creative, I was sensitive, I was passionate, and I wanted to be able to express those things, and I couldn't. And I think that's what made me turn to food. Now, people do talk about weight and how there could be a genetic influence. There could be this other influence. And, you know, I don't know the, the true answer of that. But I do know that I was I felt very awkward as a child. And I didn't, I, when I look back, I see that a lot of the things that I wanted to do and my needs weren't being met. And I turned to food. And I generally did that when no one was looking. So outside of the food that I was eating on a day-to-day basis, which wasn't um, particularly supportive or nutritional, um, and cakes and the treats that were part of my um, everyday life, I turned to food when no one was looking. And I did that to get sensation. I did that to feel luxury. I did that to feel okay about life. You know, it when I was eating foods like that it seemed like the world was okay and so I I started with chocolates and then it was pretty much cakes chocolates sugar um, crisps there were always things that I would take when no one was looking and eat by myself and it was it easily because sugar is so addictive and foods like that are meant to be addictive very quickly I became addicted to it And so I would be eating kilogram bars of chocolate on my own in my room, white chocolate with the most sugar. I would be taking biscuits, chocolate biscuits and cakes all the time. I would um, take a yogurt carton and I would spoon white sugar into the yogurt and stir it around and eat it like that. I I was totally and utterly addicted Mm. to it. And so as a result, I You say a bar of chocolate. You told me one time how big those bars were. I was pretty surprised. I mean, like a huge like bar that you would take and, I don't know, you would have it for maybe, a, I don't know how long it would take me to get through that much chocolate these days, months probably. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but huge wow. bars of chocolate. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was completely addicted. And I did things in order to fuel that addiction that I think every addict would recognise um, things that I'm not proud of. 
and you know I was just a child I was in my teenage years and I was doing things that I knew were wrong in order to fuel my addiction for sugar and it it makes me so sad that you know these these foods are just <laughs> widely available and and advertised and marketed to young people and I for whatever reason fell into that trap yeah, yeah. and Especially I put on weight I put on weight um to the point where I was 20 stone I had really bad skin the tops of my legs used to rub together when I walked and so when I walked and so I used to have really bad kind of sores at the tops of my legs I mm. You can imagine what it did for my life at school, how much I was bullied because of it, mm. the types of things mm. that I couldn't engage with at school, trying to do physical activity was a nightmare, trying mm. to get changed any, with anyone. You know, I used to be, I used to like to do, um, to sing and do musicals and stuff. And, but changing, you know, when, when I had to change into like, I don't know, some costume for Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, I didn't want to change mm. with anyone around. I didn't want to go swimming. Mm. I couldn't run. I couldn't play properly with my other friends who would all be running around and doing things. It just, it absolutely and totally coloured my entire childhood. Thankfully, I had a group of friends outside of school who appreciated me for what I could do and and who I was in the form of a choir. And that kind of saved my childhood and stopped me being worsely psychologically scarred than I was. Um... But, yeah, it, it influenced kind of every part of my life, um, which was yeah, challenging, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because no one equips you for it when you're a kid, you know. They don't, I don't know if you're even equipped if you're overweight and you're 60, but certainly mm. as a, a 15-year-old, I wasn't equipped for that. No. And did did your family know you were, you know, eating other than at the table like did they know about that or I think they must have done I think my mum must have known but no one ever said anything to me like how, um, how did you get the like did you go to the store by yourself and get food or mm, mm. so was it just I used to some of the food was in the house so I'm sure my mum must have noticed that the food was going down quicker than mm-hmm. she kind of thought it had been some mm-hmm. of the times I would um just go to the store and buy the food myself so I used to, because I sung, I used to get kind of money sometimes for singing at weddings and things like that. And and I used whatever money I had, I spent it on that. Um, so yeah, I would go to the store myself and buy stuff. And that probably my mum didn't realise the extent of and probably still doesn't realise to what extent I was doing it. Um, she did at several points try to to help me to do something about it. And I remember... One particular instant, going to a dietitian at a hospital who wow. um, was trying to get me to lose weight. And it was just ridiculous because I remember her showing me a circle kind of divided in a pie chart. And one part of the pie chart had vegetables, one part had meat, one part had um, dairy. And she said, um, if you don't eat from each of these kind of pie chart portions you'll feel hungry so if you don't for example if you don't eat vegetables you're going to have this great big part of the pie chart that's going to be empty and your stomach's going to feel hungry you're going to feel hungry and I remember sitting there thinking what are you talking about you could just you could just eat something else and then obviously you'll feel full you know it's just rubbish and I was just like and I nodded and because that's what I did as a child (laughs) and she tried to um 
she tried to do something to help me and of course it didn't work I also remember at first school um I had school dinners and all the other kids had a um a pudding you know a kind of a dessert a cakey dessert or something with custard and they recognized the teachers recognized that I had a problem and together with my parents they came up with the idea of giving me an apple to eat after the dinner instead of engage, letting me have the um, cakes, oh which gosh. just marked me out even more as being oh the fat girl because that's what I was throughout my childhood and made me feel like I, I just was doing something wrong and I'd see everyone else around the table as a, you know, I think I was like nine or something before I'd even gone to middle school eating cake and, and I couldn't have it. I just had an apple. So basically all the attempts that other people tried to do to get me to lose weight were a complete failure. <laughs> they really were. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's as bad as the bullying. I mean, yeah. at that point, what difference is that going to make? Like, <clears throat> wow. Um, so, okay, so what something obviously changed when what happened why yeah um so this is what I find quite interesting about the whole weight loss thing um Mm -hmm. and it's it's something that has been pivotal to my to my life really when I've wanted to make any changes I got to the age of 20 and I was (laughs) I had friends and we were going out and I could see that there was a lot of fun being had that I wasn't having Mm -hmm. For example, my best friend was looked beautiful, had blonde hair, curly, thin. She had beautiful clothes to wear and I had no beautiful clothes. I couldn't dress up and express how I felt. I just had to wear clothes from an outside store that were meant for, you know, other people who were older than me who had who carried more weight. So I couldn't wear what I wanted to. I couldn't wear the clothes that I wanted to. I couldn't make myself look nice. When I looked in the mirror, I looked in the mirror and I my reflection that I saw looking back wasn't how I felt inside. And I I had a moment where I just kind of looked ahead of me and I saw my 20s stretching out in front of me. And I thought, your 20s are supposed to be about having fun, you know? My friends are going out mm. and they're dancing and they're dressing up and they're um, meeting men, meeting boys, having fun, going and and having dates together and going out up to London and doing things together. And, and I just wasn't because I, I was sitting there and I, I wasn't dressed how I wanted to be dressed. I couldn't express myself. People wouldn't look at me twice, girls or boys, if they didn't know me because of how I looked. And I just thought, this is making me miserable. I don't want to be miserable for my 20s. I want Mm. to be able to go out and buy nice clothes. I want to be able to choose what I'm wearing. I want to be able to wear a dress and look pretty. Mm. I want to feel light. I want to feel free. I want to, I want to have boys look at me and, and I want to share with someone. I want to share with friends. I want to be able to engage with people and not have people treat me as if I was some kind of leper. And, so I kind of developed this reason and that was the thing that got me to change my own um, self-generated vision of how I wanted my life to be and then I could see where I was quite clearly 
And I realised I had to change to get that, otherwise I was, I was going to be miserable and I wanted that other life. I didn't want the life that was stretching from where I was. I wanted that other life that I, you know, visioned in my head. And that was the thing that changed everything for me. I was like, right, I have to do something about this. And then over the next year, I, by myself, I didn't go to any classes. I didn't um, engage anyone to help me. I, without actually telling anyone I was even doing it, I didn't tell my parents that I'd made that decision. Just completely by myself, I decided I'm going to do something about this. I'm just going to lose this weight. And I remember Mm -hmm. it was a boxing day and my parents were passing around chocolate raisins, (laughs) which... Um, come out after dinner and for the first time in I don't know how long ever I said no and that was that no was the beginning of something I think my parents must have just done a I don't know they must have done a double take inside they didn't react um that was the beginning of it and I really feel for anyone who has something in their life that they want to change that Internal motivation is what's needed for change. External motivation just doesn't cut it. And in order to get that internal motivation, you need to be clear about um, why you want it. There's got to be a big reason. And we've talked about this quite a lot. You know, ancestral food and cooking this way is not easy. It's so much easier to go to the supermarket and buy stuff. But both of us are really clear on what's important to us and why we do it and that gives us the the push the desire the energy to Mm. carry on doing the hard things and it was the same with my weight loss wow that's this that that story is stuck in my head because you did tell me one time about the raisins and Mm. um like just like this is the moment you know, the, the fact that you can point to that moment. And mm. I think it's so interesting that you at 20 said, you know, I want to have fun. I want to be able to express myself. Not, you know, my cells aren't getting the, <clears throat> like the biological nourishment that they need or something. Mm. You know, it was, yeah, I want to live my life. <laughs> yeah. So it was exactly that. Mm. Yeah. Which makes sense because that's exactly where you were, you know, Somebody can, you can tell somebody at 20, well, you know, you want to, if you want to be strong all the way into your, you know, live into your hundreds, then you need to do this or that. And they're like, I don't know, I'm not thinking about that right now. You know, like, exactly. Like trying to get people to invest. No one one puts an attention when they're 20, do they? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? So yeah, I, go on. Well, I was going to say, you said something to me about the Mm. Patreon thing you were creating. Yeah. So what I've been doing today, I've been working on it today is, I really okay. feel like anyone who is struggling with, with this or any change that they want to make in their life, mm-hmm. getting clear on that why is so important. And I've yeah. worked quite a lot on that myself in my own life, but also in my previous incarnation as a life coach. <laughs> so what I, did, what I did this morning as I sat down and I created a document with three exercises in it that will help people get clear on their why. And... I'm going to put that on the Patreon feed for our patrons and I am also will record an audio that will talk through the best way to work through those exercises, why they're so important, how they will help. So I would hope that anyone who um, engages in it would, by the end of it, be really clear on 
what they value in their life and how that's being expressed in the different areas of their life and then what they want really strongly in their life. And that will be the why. That's the why that will carry, that carried me, that carries us, that will carry anyone through difficult things. And I wanted to share that that bit with the patrons so yeah that's gonna that will be up on the patron feed when this episode comes out so the patrons can download it yeah um so you what did you do Mm. (laughs) everybody's gonna want to know you know but this is uh, this is what we ask what did you do yeah so I did something that I would never recommend that anyone does now (laughs) but I was 20 and, and and I was coming out of the 80s and I cut fat out of my diet so I made sure that I didn't eat anything with more than 4% fat in, which basically meant no crisps, no cheese, no cake, no butter, no cream, no custard, no anything like that. The only cheese I ate was cottage cheese and the mm. rest of it was all stuff with less than 4% fat in. And so re- realistically, <laughs> from, from a macro yeah. perspective, all you did was you took your total calories you were using to maintain or grow and you just reduced them to just below you know what I mean by taking the fat Mm. out it wasn't fat per se but every fat every fat gram has so much energy in it that that would make a fairly big change yeah yeah that's right it did (laughs) and I I'd say I wouldn't do it again for for two big reasons I don't think taking fat out of a diet is the right thing to do and secondly because I didn't take sugar out of my diet so I was still feeding my addiction with things with sugar in during that time what I would say if I could talk to that girl who was 20 now I thought about this this morning and I thought firstly I would tell her she was beautiful because I felt like back then no one could see beyond how I looked and they couldn't see what was in my head and my heart and you know I loved colors and singing and painting and drawing and nature and I was curious and I love reading and writing and and people didn't look beyond how I looked and so I would reassure that girl that she was beautiful because beauty is you know is what as the cliche says is much deeper than just looks and I would I would have given her a hug and I would have given her some support and I would have said to her, be more patient. And I know she wouldn't have wanted to listen to me, but I think there would have been a better way that she could have worked with where she was um, without being so restrictive in what she did with her diet. And, you know, with the right support, I might have been able to do that. I was, you know, my my life path's my life path and I, I wasn't able to find that support back then for whatever reason, it might have been there and maybe I just didn't go looking for it. But I think that, you know, anyone who has this struggles with body, with, with carrying excess weight, needs support and love and needs to feel like that they're worthy beyond what's going on with how they look. And, yeah, I am... Um, I wish I could have said that to her age 20. <laughs> I don't know how, quite what else to say there apart from that's important, really. You're you're so right. And I think anybody who has had any kind of an addiction gets that from other people. Just, you know, instead of getting the love and support, like you said, that, that you know, the, the, the past you needed, 
you'd be more likely to be like, well, just give her an apple, you know? Um, yeah. You know, go punish yourself some more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's you really know, There hard. were reasons why I was overweight and, and then really until those changed, which we'll talk about as we carry on, the yeah, only way so, that I could lose weight was by restricting. Yeah. Um, was anybody talking to you about like, or did you do anything like in terms of like exercise or? Yeah, I did. So I was mortally embarrassed to let anyone see me exercise because I was so big. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a, a famous, people from the UK might remember, there was quite a famous um, packeted soup in the 80s, dried soup called Slimmer Soup, which was a soup that you put in a cup and you rehydrated with boiling water and it had like 80 calories in. And they had tokens for an exercise tape, a proper, you know, magnetic old cassette tape. And I saved the tokens and sent off for it. And then when my mum and dad were downstairs watching television in the evening, I put that cassette tape upstairs on and I did the exercises probably, I think, virtually every day for about a year because I did not want to go outside and exercise. I didn't want anyone to see me. So it just... I just did it all kind of off my own back and behind closed doors. <laughs> wow. What was the the length of time? Like you thought this at age 20 and then at what age, you know, you said you lost 140 pounds. So mm. like how long? Did yeah, it took, it took just over a year. So I started oh in January, started in the January. And then I remember my, um, my 21st birthday was the following about about 12 months later and I was incredibly proud to be wearing uh, an English size 14 dress um which is size 10 for you I think on my 21st mm -hmm. birthday um which I went and bought in a normal shop in London um and then had a big party when I was 21 so yeah it took mm -hmm. a year a year um, and 12, uh, most of it came off month. at the beginning <laughs> yeah most of it came off at the beginning like at the beginning it was dramatic right and wow. then as as time went on it became much harder you know I'd only lose a, a pound or three or two in in a week but at the beginning I, I lost a lot did yeah. people say things to you like oh my gosh you know yeah um people strangely people outside my family said things rather than people inside my family is a very strange dynamic some of my friends at choir started to notice straight away um and yeah it was I did get encouragement which was nice hmm. and then um my family noticed as well and um my mum I could see my mum trying to support me in the ways that she is able to provide that support you know so she'd ask me mm -hmm. did, did I want to, her to buy something for me and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but so yeah people did notice people did notice and, and and I noticed suddenly I had to buy all these new clothes and I, I went through so many sets of clothes in that year because I just was getting smaller yeah. and smaller and everything was falling it's like off like a reverse <laughs> pregnancy you know yeah <laughs> oh man yeah. um okay so now I'm curious so that was at age 21 a lot mm. has changed for you between now yeah. and then. Um, yeah. What, can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what kept you going and then the sort of evolution mm. of your 
you know, eating yeah. philosophies. Yeah, so there was no ancestral foods back then at all. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. That's really been only something that's happened in my life in the last just over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So from that age of 21 to when I found ancestral food, when I was 34, basically I kept that weight off and I did that through sheer determination and persistence. I, Which works um, in your 20s. <laughs> yeah, it does. You've got energy in your 20s completely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm literally the most determined person I know, which is a double-edged sword because it's brought me a lot of problems in my life as well. Um, She's very determined, I just, folks. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> I, just, I just was like, right, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And I just avoided all those foods. So I didn't eat things with fat in. I didn't eat, you know, cakes. I didn't eat cheese. I didn't eat anything else. In addition to that, I slowly was changing the rest of my life. So at the time when I um, lost the weight, I was working in a bank and then I went on to work um, in offices and to work for Microsoft and my life kind of changed. I met my first husband and he was very much into luxury and so I embraced a kind of luxury that had not been in my childhood and that opened things up in me. Um, that was changing and then um, that relationship ended and I grew incredibly and I decided that I had to leave Microsoft and I wanted to do something that I cared about and that the stages of that the different jobs that I had I worked for a music charity I moved to London um, then I went back to college that's where I met Rob who I'm, I'm married to now and those things it was like Parts of me were being discovered and uncovered and explored and expressed. That helped me to be in a different place with food. Having said that, I was still determined and persistent when I found ancestral food. And at 34, um, I think it was about, I was 34, maybe 35, I I was aware that... um, I hadn't had a menstrual cycle for five years. I'd been on various different diets during that period. So when I first met Rob, he was vegetarian. I went vegetarian, then I went vegan. And as we've talked about on the podcast before, Rob and I ate raw vegan for two years prior. And it got to the stage just before I found ancestral food where I was aware that I hadn't had a period for five years. And I was aware that I was getting to the age where I wanted to have a child and the choice would be taken away from me, you know, in a few years time. And I wanted to change the fact that I didn't have a period. And so I started diving into ancestral food nutrition and how um, traditional fertility foods. And that brought me back to um, animal foods. And it brought me back to fat. And there Mm. was an incredible kind of um, bashing of heads there because I'd avoided fat for mm. over a decade. Oh my in order gosh, to maintain like you literally still weren't eating it? Yeah. I wouldn't eat cheese, I wouldn't eat butter, I wouldn't eat oh. ice cream, I wouldn't eat anything that was fatty. I basically just avoided fatty wow. foods for a decade. No wonder you didn't have a cycle. Yeah. And that, um, you're, that's crazy. Your body probably thought you're like, you know, that's living on a prairie that somewhere with <laughs> that's like with like grass to eat. Like that's crazy. <laughs> wow. And so when I realized that in order to help my fertility, I had to mm. consider introducing, reintroducing not only animal foods, but fat, I was like terrified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I'd been the fat girl and I'd not eaten fat. And that's the way I'd stopped being the fat girl. And so when someone was telling me, you've got to eat fat, 
I just, I've, we've talked about it before, but I just, I had basically a meltdown in front of some cheese that I just couldn't eat it. I was just like, this is going to make me fat. I'm going to, I can't go back there. It yeah. was hard, hard, hard to face that mm-hmm. psychological barrier that I put up and to trust that I wouldn't go back to being you know, that thing that I'd been all my childhood that had been horrendous and that I'd overcome, in quotes, you know. Um, just just, ima- just thinking, like, for the listener to, to also remember what you said early in the beginning, that you did this, basically, mm. you said, you know, your, your young years coming out of the 80s. And then, mm. like, this was the non-fat era. It really yeah, was. Completely. So, so not only is there non-fat products available everywhere and advertised as like a thing supporting your, you know, assumption, but also like the idea is there that like, if you eat fat, it turns into fat on your body, which like, when you really think about it logically, like, wait, how that does not make any sense. Like Mm, you eat cow heart, you don't grow another heart, you know, but uh, just like with no understanding of, of what macros macronutrients are and like that's just really hard to wrap my brain around but I can totally see it yeah I was completely of that mind Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and hearing what the you know ancestral fertility foods were I just I had to contemplate a shift of something for over a decade I'd been maintaining through avoidance and determination yeah I knew that I wanted to make that change but but and and you know with hindsight it was fabulous because I don't worry about my weight anymore. I, I just literally right. it's it's just gone. And were you weighing so, yourself all the time during that decade? No, I wasn't. No. Um, okay. At the beginning, I was when I was still okay. with my ex-husband and I was living. You know, I was I was working. To, I got married to him when I was twenty-six, and I worked for Microsoft until I was nearly thirty. Wow. And so at that period, I was. Um, but then after I found Rob and um, we went for vegetarian and vegan, I lost a lot of weight. And really? then we had no scales. So I wasn't, yeah, I, I lost, I think, about three, maybe two or three stone. I went really low at one point. Um, what's, under. what's the, how much is a stone in pounds? I don't know. A stone is 14 pounds. For, um, oh, so wow. So you lost like I think I went pounds. down like two stone like 28, 30 pounds. I was really thin. It was the wow. thinnest I'd ever been. And I was, part of me was really pleased with that because um, I could fit into clothes that I'd never, ever fit into before. I could wear skinny jeans and I'd never been able to wear skinny jeans. Um, I'm I'm broad, you know, I've got wide shoulders, wide hips. I've got long legs. I'm I'm a broad person. And to be able to do that for, for a while, I was happy with it. Um, but I was very, I was really quite thin at, at some point. I think were there people other... were concerned about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, just can't make, can't make him happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> you mentioned the, you wanted your cycle, you know, so you, you know, like you needed to attend to fertility. Were there other symptoms that you weren't getting the new nutrition you needed? Yeah. So I think my kind of extended period as a raw vegan went on for too long and I had trouble with energy levels. So I would, um, 
I would literally feel like I didn't have enough energy to power my muscles and I would have to, at the end, yeah, I, was, I would struggle to stand up. Te- I was teaching at that time, teaching a lesson for a couple of hours. I couldn't do it. I had to sit down. And so I knew that wow. something wasn't right and I had to find another Wow, way. you can't even stand. That's that's pretty significant. That's like a, it, that's some serious malnutrition. Yeah, it was, it was, I knew that something had to change but facing mm. what I had to do and then reintroducing those foods, reintroducing the animal foods, reintroducing fat and re- reintroducing, do, where, it was hard. Where did that mm. come from exactly? You know, so you said that you were told to reintroduce fat. Like where? That came from a course with Alyssa Vitti, who's a nutritionist in New York. And she, I don't know how I found her. She had a course on um Oh, fertility. the one, she wrote Woman Code, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, she's got yeah. good stuff out there. So I did a course with her, and um, I remember learning about um, congee, the rice porridge with um, seaweed in, and eating that, and just hearing about eggs and fish and animal fats. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, and, oh. and, I, and I changed. And really, that was a huge turning point, you know, when thinking about this episode, because that was the point where really... I stopped worrying about my weight and that determination and persistence just, it fell away. I haven't, I haven't used that to maintain my weight for the last decade. I've just been able yeah. to maintain my weight, which is yeah, a big thing. I, and that, that's, that's thanks to, to ancestral food. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so if you're eating, you know, under life support, you know, and then you add in mm. fat, obviously now your energy input is higher. So um, how did you do that without boomeranging back? Obviously, yeah. you were terrified. You know, you've described to me the scene yeah. sitting at the table with the cheese and um, like just just like in my memory, you were like crying or something, you know, mm. about mm. eating this. Um, how did you not boomerang too far and just like, yeah. you know, it, jump I, back I, up? I, it's a good question. And. I think it was hard, I would say. Sometimes mm. it was hard because suddenly I was giving myself this food and it tasted really good. I'll bet and... if you hadn't had fat in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> but I think at the beginning there was a natural check because I was so scared. So I didn't allow myself at the beginning to have that much. You know, it was a slow okay. release in, for me to feel safe enough at the beginning I would have some. And then over time, I learned that I could have some and more and more. And look, I still wasn't putting on weight. You know, it was, Mm. it had to show me that it was possible in a slow way for me to do it. I think that, um, you know, with the Western diets that we eat, with the way that we eat in standard American diet, Mm. that for, for those of us that potentially have eaten that way for 20, 30, 40 years, there is the possibility that when we, when we stop eating that way and improve our foods, there is still the possibility that there could be some issue that comes from eating that way for so long that could cause us right. to need to restrict. Now, I, to explain that a bit, I would say that my diet isn't completely free now because I don't eat sugar um, and I don't eat fruit at the moment either. And now that's not because of a weight issue. 
that's because, as we've talked about before on the podcast, if I have that in my diet, I get vertigo during my period. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And I've spent many hours researching it and figuring out things and trying things. And it's still a quest that I'm on. I don't intend to be restricting that for the rest of my life. But at the moment, I am because of something in my past that makes me prone to that something that happened or some biological kind of outcome in my body that 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 gives me that so I think you know if when we do start eating ancestrally again there could still be issues that need some restriction and we do need to give ourselves time to allow that flux if we've been restricting to find a rebalance and sometimes that means overeating I remember when I started making sourdough bread again and I started eating bread again I was just like Mm. oh my gosh bread 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 oh yeah 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 (laughs) and were you not eating bread for a long um, long time no I wasn't so when I was eating vegan of course I wasn't oh of course because I was raw vegan um and then yeah when one at the beginning I didn't reintroduce bread um, I just reintroduced kind of animal fats and other cooked grains gently, like you know, kind of millet and quinoa, simple grains. Um, and then when I did find bread again, for a while I overate on bread because it was just lovely. But in all, being gentle with myself and allowing myself the kind of understanding that that's going to happen and doing it consciously and being gentle with myself with time, that balanced itself out I think because of the other ways I'm eating I would also like to say I can't think to this question that often the reason why we carry extra weight is because there's something else going on in our body you know we're not eating too much there's a problem with our metabolism or there's a problem with inflammation um when I read plant paradox the the lectin book by Dr. Gundry, you know, he talked a lot about experience with his patients who had a weight issue all their life and they have inflammation caused by lectins because they're particularly sensitive to that. And when they cut that out, the weight goes. And so it's not, it's not always a matter of calories in, calorie out, calories out at all. And so, no, you're right, you're right. you know, when, when there are underlying issues, it, it, it requires research and trying and testing and and reading and yeah. to, to try and establish those. And so that, you know, I, I have an underlying issue with this, with sugar. And so I'm still restricting sugar. Um, but the, the, you know, the putting on of the weight and the managing of the weight that I have a history of that I don't have a problem with. Right. Does that answer well, your question? Anybody, anybody, yeah. And anybody who follows your Instagram knows that Alison is not fat free eating anymore yeah absolutely <laughs> pictures not. of lard and everything on there so um just that alone seeing how you live and and so many people who have kind of gone through a similar evolution as you have mm, described mm, mm. that that alone should tell us you know it's not just fat in a diet that's the problem yeah completely completely um, and i I wanted to talk a bit about what I think is the reasons why yeah. I've been able to maintain it. That's since, what I wanted to ask, yeah. Yeah, 
Great. Okay. Because it's been it's um, been a while now. You know, you've had a child yeah. and you've moved a lot. You've yeah. gone through stressful things. You know, so there's yeah. a lot of things that we could say could have been problems, but but mm. you've maintained that. So I'm interested. Yeah, and um, I kind of think there's three main reasons for that. The first one it goes back to life again. Um, I've done a lot of work on myself spiritually and psychologically right. to um to try to be the best person I can be and not be run by hab- habits or not be run by expectations or my past you know mm-hmm. and along with that I've changed my life a lot you know so that when I found ancestral foods at um at that time in my mid 30s I was teaching English in Italy and I was building a life coaching business, which I did. And I learned a lot and I changed a lot through doing mm. that. And um, I was just building my relationship with Rob. And in addition, you know, since then, I, I've let go of that business. I've explored art and, and spent two years painting and building up a body of work around that. And And then having moved back to England to have Gabriel and having to leave Italy, which I thought I never wanted to do, and going through the the quite some quite difficult issues with Gabriel in the first two years, then realising that I was just not doing very well in England at all and moving the three of us back to this country. You know, I've done a lot of things that for me were terrifying, absolutely terrifying. You know, they were the things that were my crux. They were the things that pushed me almost to the edge. And and mm. almost that is the reason why I knew I had to face them because those are the things that were going to help me grow. And I think that there's a, as I said earlier with the patron document, there's a huge um, part in um, being healthy that ties into us expressing who we are fully because then mm-hmm. there's something more important than food. There's something that we're living for then, and we're alive. We're living life. We're not trapped in someone else's version of us, you know. You could put anything in that slot, food, not living for any, but any yeah. addiction in there. And, yeah. and you're, you're absolutely right. So that, I, I wanted to, to put that there because that's important. I think the ancestral diet and the nutrients it's given me since I've started it have made a huge difference to my body. Um, right. I think that um, we are nutrient starved as a society and that's why we turn to these foods and that's why I mm-hmm. turned to those foods mm-hmm. because I was not giving myself what my body needed and you know some of that was the fat some of that was the the grains that I was eating the way I was eating grains some of that was you know other things that I was eating and so I think when you give yourself the nutrients, you give your body the ability to work better and then you can make saner decisions. It affects your, it affects your brain as well, you know, and your, your body's asking for different things. So that is all credit to the, to the type of food I'm eating now. Mm-hmm. I also think just plain avoiding processed foods has just yeah. allowed me to maintain the weight. You know, when I had the determination and persistence and I was, you know, in my 20s, early 20s just fighting to keep the weight off I was eating processed foods all the time I was eating processed grains wow. I was eating fats that were 
hydrogenated. I was eating food from a supermarket. Sometimes I was making nice food, but I was eating processed food. Whereas now, I don't have processed food really in my life. You know, someone processes my butter. <laughs> someone right. processes my miso because <laughs> I don't make it myself. But I, I don't have any unprocessed grains. I don't have any hydrogenated fats in my life. And I think just the act of staying away from processed foods gives our body the opportunity to do the work it needs to sort itself out. So, yeah, I think those three things, the life, um, the life change, the feeding your body the nutrients it needs and just staying away from unprocessed foods, those are the three things that I think kind of go into the pot to explain why since finding nourishing traditions and starting experiments and changing the way we ate a decade ago, that's what I would credit with me not really even thinking about my weight anymore, which, you know, if I told that girl age 20, you know, when you're in your 40s, late 30s and 40s, you won't even have to think about your weight again. She would have been like drop jaw, open <laughs> mouth, no just way. what? But it, it's amazing that we can do things that can create change that's that big. Yeah. It's certainly changed yeah. my life. <laughs> when you're getting the, I, I'm just, I'm just picturing that you are doing all of that, that weight loss and everything with all those processed foods. And no wonder it felt like a fight. Um, yeah. You know, because now you're, you're eating foods that are ticking all the boxes on your body's sort of need need you know scales you know what I mean they're like okay we need this we need that okay she filled mm. that slot she filled that slot so we're good we're, we feel good whereas you were still in a way starving yourself although you were eating you know yeah but you weren't yeah. getting the nutrients that your body was craving which is crazy exactly. to live like yeah that definitely a testament to your determination <laughs> I think that you know a lot of people think that they have issues and and they've got no self-control and I can't do this and it, it, it's because of what we're feeding ourselves it's not yeah. it's not I, I know Craig and and Kitty um who is another podcast that I really enjoy um but they say all the time that people want to go do you know blood tests and like you said you know like genetic testing and all these different mm. things and they go start with you know eating the right amount enough you know, not too much, but enough of these ancestral yeah. foods and get sunlight and, you know, go for a walk every day, do that for a while consistently. And then if you still aren't then seeing see. any changes at all, yeah. you know, then let's go look into those other things. But they're like, odds are in the beginning, it's just our, our environmental changes. Yeah. It's, um, it's easy when we've got science at our fingertips to want to get a diagnosis and diagnosis comes yes, with exactly. the side of them which are not beneficial to us. Um, right, and we've got it at our fingertips. Just yeah. like and I think that it's easy to want to blame something and look for a quick fix, whereas the hardest thing is to, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is to go for a walk every day. Sometimes the hardest thing is to, to cook your own food rather than go to the supermarket. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the hardest thing is to is to make that change that you know you want to make you want to make in your life for a long time but you're terrified of but those are the things that have lasting results you know those are the things that will, will change you and your life what would you yeah. say 
Allison, to somebody, and there's going to be people on both sides of this, people who are way undernourished, like you said, um, you were, you know, they're not, they don't have a cycle and, you know, they're maybe even feeling like they need to put on something, you know, they don't have energy, they can't stand. And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who are also undernourished, but it's, you know, reflecting in just too much baggage to carry around. What what would you say to somebody in, in that situation? So both, both things are an imbalance. And the closer you can get to balance, the, the calmer it will be, you know, the, the more ease there will be. So I would say slow down mm. and look at your life honestly and kindly and try to figure out what's not working and look around you for the support that will be there and go inside you for the, for the strength that you do have because we do have strength individually and figure out small ways in which you can address some of those things and do it slowly and gently, you know, don't, don't panic about it. Don't, um, try not to, to be harsh on yourself because the more support and love you can bring mm. to yourself from yourself, the easier it will be for you to get clarity and then make the changes that you want to make. I think we, in most situations, we know what the answer is ourselves. We know what we've got to do. And we might not know all the details. We might not have those tests. We might not, you know, but if we, if there's something that we know in ourselves that we could do, that's the start. You know, I didn't know when I was 20 that I could lose that weight. I thought I might fail. I thought, what if I can't do this? I'm going to be overweight all my life. But I refused those chocolate raisins. That was something that I got clear on. And then I was like, I've got this strength. And I did it. And when you do the one thing, suddenly that filled me with knowledge that I could do it again because I've done it once. But it was only a small step. But it, it was a small step that snowballed mm. into losing half my body weight. And, and I think, yeah, to be slow, gentle and kind and determine what's wrong and feel inside yourself for a step that you can do to try to um, help yourself get out of that wrong situation. That, that's what I would say. Mm. It's really, really encouraging. Phew. That's been um, quite a journey. <laughs> what, what a, what a journey to go through hour. all this. Yeah. It's only eight o'clock for me over here. We've already <laughs> gone, gone quite a long trek. Is there anything else you want me to to cover or any questions you've got for me before we close? Because I we just we've just gone over the hour, I think. Hmm. I think this was this was um, outstanding, and and I appreciate you creating all the extra content and everything that you put up on the Thank Patreon. You. Thank you. So for, for anybody who's kind questions. of going a little farther with it, that that was really good. Hmm. Um, and this this was really amazing and um, really intimate hearing this story from you so thank you for thank you thank you for giving me the space to share it Mm. lovely okay well i'll speak to you next time all right 
All right. Until next time, Allison. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.